dozed off a tumbler of famous grouse. So what? A better exit than dying in a hospital corridor in a wheelchair while waiting for another dose of poisonous chemotherapy, which had recently been her good friend Birgit's dismal fate. At least Stella had nobody to blame but herself, and although the last minutes couldn't have been pleasant, neither had Birgit's. Not at all pleasant, by all accounts and without any complimentary frisson of autonomy. Birgit wouldn't have approved of Stella Hartleap's end. She might even have been censorious about it. She'd been a judgmental woman. But that was neither here nor there. We don't have to agree with anyone, ever. Her new old friend, Teresa, who is grievously ill, wouldn't be censorious, as she is never censorious about anyone. I am the captain of my fate. I am the master of my soul. A Roman by a Roman valiantly vanquished. There is a truck too close behind her. She can see its great dead smeared glass underwater eyes looming at her in her driving mirror. In the old days, Hamish used to slam on his brakes in situations like this as a warning. She'd always thought that was dangerous, but he'd never come to any harm. He hadn't died at the wheel. He died of something more insidious, less violent, and more cruelly protracted. She chooses the accelerator. It's safer than the brake. Her first husband, Claude, had believed in the use of the accelerator, and she was with him on that. Francesca Stubbs is on her way to a conference on sheltered housing for the elderly, a subject pertinent to her train of thought but not in itself heroic. Fran is something of an expert in the field, and is employed by a charitable trust which devotes generous research funds to examining and improving the living arrangements of the ageing. She's always been interested in all forms of social housing, and this new job suits her well. She's intrigued by the way more and more people in England opt to live alone in the early 21st century. Students don't seem to mind cohabitation, even like it. And cohabitation is forced upon the ill and the elderly, but more and more of the able-bodied in their midlife choose to live alone. This is making demands on the housing stock, which successive governments are unable, and possibly unwilling even to try to satisfy. Fran is in favour of a land tax. That would shake things up a bit. But the English are extraordinarily tenacious of land. They hate to relinquish even a yard of it. The word freehold has a powerful resonance. No, there is nothing heroic about the housing stock and planning policy, subjects which currently occupy her working life. But old age itself is a theme for heroism. It calls upon courage. Fran had, from an unsuitably early age, been attracted by the heroic death, the famous last words, the tragic farewell. Her parents had on their shelves a copy of Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable, a book which, as a teenager, she would morbidly browse for hours. One of her favourite sections was Dying Sayings, with its fine mix of the pious, the complacent, the apocryphal, the pathetic and the defiant. Artists had fared well. Beethoven was alleged to have said, I shall hear in heaven. 
the erotic painter Etty had declared, wonderful, wonderful this death. And Keats had died bravely, generously comforting his poor friend Seven. Those about to be executed had clearly had time to prepare a fine last thought, and of these she favoured the romantic Walter Raleigh's It matters little how the head lies, so the heart be right. Harriet Martineau, who had suffered much as a child from religion, as Fran had later discovered, had stoically remarked, I see no reason why the existence of Harriet Martineau should be perpetuated. An admirably composed sentiment, which had caught the child Fran's attention long before she knew who Harriet Martineau was. But most of all, she had liked the parting words of Seward the Dane, who had commanded his men, Lift me up, that I may die standing, not lying down like a cow.